This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and welcome to the 36th episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. Today's podcast is an interview with Nathan Hill, who is a debut author, and his book is called The Knicks, and it comes out August 30th. I did this interview at the American Library Association uh, summer meetings, which again was in Orlando. We've talked about that a few times now, I believe. Uh, It may sound a little different. We were in kind of a big open space, so if it sounds a little bit uh, different than normal, I do apologize. Uh, There's a part right in the middle where it might sound like he cuts out and then starts talking right again. Uh, We did have to pause it for a half a second and then he got going again. So you're not losing your mind. There's no glitch or anything. We just had to stop and start again. The wonders of podcasting. Uh, If you want to reach out to us, you can email feedback at overdrive.com. We read each and every one of those, respond to as many as we can, and we read a few of them on the podcast as well. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. If you're looking for any of the books that we talk about during any of the episodes, you can find them on Overdrive's Pinterest page. We have a whole Pinterest board of every book we've ever talked about. You can also find all of our book book recommendations at overdrive.com. There is a button that says Explore, and you'll be able to see the professional book nerds reading list there as well. So try to make ourselves as findable as possible so you don't have to be scrambling to write down all the books that everyone is always talking about every week on our podcast. You can also subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. You can give us a rating if you want to help bump us up the charts just a little bit, make us a little bit easier to find. Um, Then you can also leave reviews there as well to let us know what you think. Um, All right, not going to take up any more of your time. I hope you enjoy this interview with debut author Nathan Hill, author of The Knicks, which again comes out August 30th, so you can go place holds and start sampling that at overdrive.com right now. And enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I am joined by Nathan Hill, debut author of The Knicks. Nathan's writings have appeared in the Gettysburg Review, the Denver Quarterly, Gulf Coast, and a number of other journals. Nathan is also an associate professor of English at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. This is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so would you mind by kind of starting off letting our listeners know a little bit about your debut novel, The Knicks? Sure. Yeah, that's that's... That's a, uh, I found one of the trickiest questions that I've had to answer yeah. is what is your book about? You think I'd be able to? You think I'd be good at that? But it's a book that you know it's 600 pages and I I, I wrote it over 10 years, so it's about mm-hmm. a lot of things. Um, I think the, the the main story of the Knicks is a, is a mother son story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a story about uh, uh, this guy Samuel, uh, who uh, 20 years ago his mom walked out yeah. of the family unexpectedly and he never heard from her again until one day in 2011 uh, when she's on the news uh, throwing rocks at a 
ultra-right uh, presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so they kind of get back together again. So that's, that's sort of the, the main storyline. But it's, it's a book about, uh, you know, mothers and sons. It's a book about whether we can really know our parents. It's a book about uh, politics and protests and mm-hmm. video game addiction and cell phone distraction and Nordic ghosts. And I hope all of that makes sense if you read that, it. If you read, you know, that I, I did read it. And I, that's absolutely, you kind of hit every single checkpoint. <laughs> so you said you wrote it over 10 years. I just have to ask with the, kind of the, the political stuff was incredibly timely. Was that something that was just kind of serendipity or did you sort of tweak the political stuff to maybe align with some of the things that we're seeing no the, the the scene at the beginning uh with the with the sort of trump-like candidate very trumpy i wrote that like three years ago so it's <laughs> it's it's really it's accidental uh uh it's it is serendipity um uh getting it out right now during the political silly season uh-huh. is is uh is is a pure accident but you know we're we're, we're taking it mm-hmm. and i will say so our offices are stationed in cleveland so in ohio during this silly political season we have like every out of every 15 commercials 14 of them are going to be political so <laughs> yeah. reading this book is a nice way to it was almost like a nice warm up for like oh, that's right I'm going to dive into a bunch of political stuff but <laughs> this was a much more enjoyable experience oh good so I'm glad I could help sure. um, and so you mentioned you know, in this in the next you touch on a bunch of kind of Norwegian folklore mm-hmm. uh, a great deal were these some of the stories that you heard growing up or that captured your imagination I guess just where did that part of the story come from yeah uh, my mother's family Immigrated from Norway uh, a few generations ago, uh, and, and but we never heard any stories uh, f- uh, from Norway. Our, our family sort of lost contact with that side of the family, mm-hmm. so um, they they moved first to Minnesota and then eventually settled as farmers in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess it just always there was always some kind of allure there. Like my great grandfather allegedly just never talked about it. Like yeah. we we know, we know nothing from from the folks uh, back there, uh, and so. I don't know. I guess his silence about it was just sort of mysterious yeah. and delicious for Absolutely. me. So, um, so when I when I've come across kind of old Norwegian folk tales, I never heard those when I was a kid. But I, they were like a draw for me. Absolutely. They like filled in some family history that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, I, I found this great book called Just Folk Tales of Norway that um, uh, that uh, that really helped a lot. That told the story of you know the, the house spirit and the and the nicks and the and and this uh this great spirit that's in the book uh, <laughs> uh the uh, the drowning stone mm-hmm. uh where uh it's the spirit of a drowned sailor that if it, that looks like a rock and if you take it out in the water it gets bigger and bigger until it sinks your boat like stories like that are just amazing right yeah. so uh so so whenever i'd come across one i would kind of tuck it away in my little mental library and i will say it's probably a good thing you didn't hear these growing up you know i read all these books where the main characters hear these like terrifying ghost stories <laughs> and so I was, just, I was as I was going through these I was like man if Nathan heard these growing up like I would never get to sleep if these were some of like my bedtime stories oh right like the mom telling the kid there's a ghost who lives in the basement yeah you know? like, come on, like, <laughs> like, come on yeah, mom thank, thank goodness that didn't happen to me <laughs> yeah um so as you mentioned the, the book touches on a number of topics whether it's classical music you know mm-hmm. online gaming Shakespeare even you know science how much of these aspects uh, kind of go into and reflect your real life interests um, quite a lot of them. Uh, it's uh, over the over the years that I was I was working on the book. Uh, it sort of became the repository for just about every good idea mm-hmm. I had. Every everything out in the world that I found interesting or curious or infuriating, yeah. I kind of put into the book. Um, it <laughs> uh, 
the the metaphor I have in my mind is is you know at the uh, it's it's like near the end of the Harry Potter series Hermione has a handbag yeah. that she puts a charm on <laughs> yeah. and it, it like fits her whole library yeah. and it, it and yet she can keep filling it with more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of what the book felt like to yeah. me. You know, like the I, I just kind of kept filling it mm-hmm. and it could accommodate all of it. So you know, um, <clears throat> you know, I I, I wrote about uh, uh, teaching teaching writing to college students because mm-hmm. I did that right. and uh, I, I wrote about video games because for a while I was a pretty active gamer mm-hmm. and I wrote about classical music because my wife uh, is a classical musician okay. uh, and, and so it, it uh, the, the book really reflects sort of all of my various weird interests over 10 years yeah and I really love how it's it's not just that you touch on a number of these different topics you see you have these different characters who really like those different topics are kind of really a main aspect of their life and I just love that you dive into each of their stories and you kind of give them I think a lot of times you'll, you'll see a book where there's a secondary character and like I kind of want to know more about them and I, I just really appreciated when you would give entire chapters to going into people's backgrounds and, and what they were doing and so did this kind of become in your mind did it start out as like a book about one character and you just like I want to share all these stories or I guess just maybe take us through that process of what you thought as you were writing this book over such a long time. Sure, yeah, uh, it did. It, it, it started out as a story about um, the, the character who's the mother, Faye, mm-hmm. uh, and her experiences uh, in, in uh, the events of the, uh, the, uh, the, the protests in 1968 at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Uh, and, uh, and then, honestly, I, I wrote her story for a, a while, maybe 150 pages, mm-hmm. And then just got stuck. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know what I was doing for for a couple of years, uh, and uh, there are various terrible reasons for that. But like, I uh, eventually um, got the idea that maybe it's it's not her story. Maybe it's her story being told by her son. You know, and that you know that then introduced all these new ideas into mm-hmm. the into the story. Um, and so then I needed to tell his story. And then these other people started showing up. And and yeah, they they were kind of two dimensional characters at first. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of the of the college student Laura Potsdam, uh, who is uh, who is uh, like a, a serial plagiarist. She's a lot. She's a lot. Yeah. She's a lot of person. To, yeah. To, to and dive into. You know, the first chap, the first time I ever wrote her, I was I was really you know I was just like here is somebody that we can all hate. Mm-hmm. And then. As I wrote her more, you know, what usually happens is I spend more time with a character and I start really liking them. I yeah. start feeling sympathetic to them. And uh, and so then, you know, I toned down the hate and, and, and kind of tried to investigate her story. Well, why is she a serial plagiarist? What is going on in her life that would right. make her do that? And eventually... And now I kind of like her, and, and, and in fact, I think she might be the smartest person in the book, you know? So, I, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's like the more time you spend with someone, the more you want to sort of dig in. Yeah. So, so that, that kept happening over and over. Yeah. And so you mentioned uh, the mother, Faye, mm-hmm. and so really the, the, the central kind of story is, is the mother-son relationship in here, and uh, I'm guessing your mother is not the same <laughs> as Faye. So... Are there any similarities between the two? And then just what was your mom's reaction? Yeah, well, Faye is, uh, like, a very selfish, very, uh, um, uh, what, uh, cold, uh, person. 
my mom is super supportive, very warm, uh, and uh, but but they but they share the same biography, so yeah. it's a little awkward. Um, I had to I had to tell my mom uh, several times, <laughs> like just be prepared. Yeah. Um, uh, this is not about you, uh-huh. but but there will be yeah. things that you recognize. So so my mom grew up. Um, uh, both my mom and my dad grew up in you know farm families in eastern Iowa, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and so so does Faye, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and so um, really, when I was writing her, um, she's not my mom at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any time I needed a kind of poignant mom detail, of course, you know, or I would I would pluck from her life or from my life. Yeah. Uh, so there are there there are overlaps, but they're mm-hmm. they're really different people. Yeah. So there's the memories and the things that you could kind of pull on, but the actual actual character you were yeah. able to tell her like no mom this yeah is <laughs> right exactly <laughs> um so what was her reaction to fortunately she she likes the book a lot okay yeah that's good. She, yeah she she's she likes it a lot she actually very recently read it she was gonna wait for it to come out mm-hmm. you know in in uh in august uh and then she started seeing all these reviews and got really mad you know that other people were reading it before her yeah. so i got her an advanced copy she just finished it last week and uh-huh. she she liked it a lot well, that's good and that is when i, I can't i can't even imagine having an author in the family and telling them like no 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 I'm going to wait till it comes out because when you do write the book it's such a long process for yeah. the advanced reading copies and going through the editing process and you have like the manuscripts available to kind of share with people to start reviewing I and maybe that's just me looking into my impatience as a person <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'd be able to do that either so um, can you maybe take us through your writing process are you a type of person who kind of wakes up early in the morning and you're like I'm going to write until 2 o'clock and I'm going to hit a certain word count or are you just someone who kind of writes when the inspiration hits and um, I've tried writing when the inspiration hits, and the, when that happens, when you know the inspiration hits so rarely that I end up not doing any writing. Mm-hmm. So my the process that I discovered um, while I was uh, working on this book uh, is uh, is that I, I typically have my best thoughts first thing in the morning. Yeah. So I'll wake up, have some coffee and some breakfast, um, read a little bit to kind of get into the day, mm-hmm. and then uh, open up a notebook. I do all. I wrote this entire book longhand. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, it's I, I find the speed of writing with my hand is 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 right for my mind you know mm-hmm. like i i'm not the kind of writer who kind of outlines and plots things yeah ahead of time i kind of discover them while i'm while i'm going mm-hmm. so I, it's important for me to go slowly uh sure. so uh, I get my notebook out and I start writing and uh, and my rule is I don't stop until I get somewhere between five to seven pages mm-hmm. of like a small yeah. you know reasonably sized notebook um, if it's going very poorly for me that day I'll stop at five pages sure. if it's going really well I'll stop at seven pages um, this is something I read I think Jennifer Egan uh, said exactly this in an interview many years ago and I just stole it mm-hmm. uh, but it works really well for me um, uh, I stop if it's going really well I stop because then tomorrow I know exactly where I'll, where I'll, st- well, where I'll start and I found that it's much more important for me uh, to have a regular routine mm-hmm than to get anything done on any given day. Yeah. I've actually, I've, I've seen some authors that say they'll even stop, like, uh, in the middle of a sentence. Like, they won't even finish a complete thought so they know when they get yeah, going Yeah, wasn't that, morning. that was a Hemingway thing, yeah, right? Didn't he, he say he did would, that? He yeah. would just, like, he would be writing and he would just stop in the middle of a sentence. That's hilarious that Hemingway would say it because, you know, his sentences were, like, yeah, right, eight well, words long at a time. It was just, like, <laughs> like real really, short, yeah. succinct thoughts. Um, that's really interesting. So, I... Given that Overdrive is a library company, we we're fortunate to work with libraries and librarians every single day. Um, can you maybe share with us either like a first or a favorite memory you might have from a library, or like maybe one that you had when you were growing up? Sure. Uh, hmm. I could think of a couple. Sure. Uh, 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 when I was growing up, we moved around quite a lot. Uh, usually staying any place like you know around the Midwest. Usually staying any place like two to three years, and then we move. Uh, and one of the places I found myself 
in eighth and ninth grades was like very rural southern Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I went to this school where the graduating class was like three people, you know. Oh, wow. So it was a very, very small school, very out of the way. It was like, you know, we didn't get, I mean, we got one radio station and two television stations, oh, wow. you know. It's okay, like, yeah. Yeah. So, like, you can imagine, like, the reading culture there mm-hmm. wasn't great you know the probably the nearest bookstore is maybe 50 80 miles oh, away yeah uh but there was a library mm-hmm. you know and so that's where i got my fill of like choose your own adventure books and like party boy mysteries and you know then uh you know you know graduating with things like mark twain and so forth so um uh you know and then you know we left and moved back to a city after a couple years but uh but i have i have a very fond place in my heart for especially rural libraries yeah, who are bringing kind of a reading culture to All people right. who might not have it otherwise mm-hmm. um my favorite individual memory of a library, though, is, is researching this book. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, the, 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 the image on the cover I discovered mm-hmm. at a library. Um, yeah, the, the Chicago uh, Historical Society, now the Chicago um, uh, History Museum's research library. They had boxes and boxes of all this stuff from the 68 convention. I was going through it, and I found this photo. Uh, and it just I had these characters in mind, uh, and I saw this picture of these three people, and I was just like, that's them. Yeah. And I was like, this great moment you know so that's that that was that was thrilling so you mentioned the the hardy boy books and some of the yeah. re, uh, choose your own adventure what were some of the books that you read when you're kind of growing up <sighs> well it was it's it was really random because uh uh you know I, it was just kind of whatever looked good at the library um my, my parents were big readers we didn't have a lot of books in the house so it was like i was kind of on my own just to you know pick what looked like fun and so you know when you're 13, 14, 15 year old boy what looks like fun or you know those you know, a lot of like uh, choose your adventure books yeah. or like role playing games Absolutely. do you remember these games? I do, yeah, They're yeah, like, yeah. You, you played them with like uh, some scratch paper and yeah. dice you yeah. know I would re- wear out whole erasers with those things uh-huh. you know so probably that kind of stuff there's like game books I was, I was a big fan of those okay so I, have, I like to do at the end of our podcast I like to end I've got the usual I like to end all of our podcasts with uh, nine different questions I call them the nerd nine. Oh no so just rapid fire What's the last book that you read? Um, uh, I recently finished Peter Guy's book, Wintering. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that tells the story of a uh, of a of a father and a son um, spending the winter in the uh, Boundary Waters in Canada, uh, and it's it is beautiful. It's like it's like Cormac McCarthy up north. You know, it's it's a, an amazing book. You should read it. What's your favorite place to read? Um, I have a. I have a, a leather chair in my office that I've had for many years that's now appropriately cracked and wet. I start over with the favorite Sure, place absolutely. To read? So, what's your favorite place to read? My favorite place to read, I have I have this worn out leather chair in my office at home um, that uh, uh, has a nice view of the window mm-hmm. and you know the, 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 the light coming in in the morning and uh, I, that's where I spend the first hour of my day. Uh, I have coffee and I read whatever I'm reading at the time. And that's just my introduction to the day every single day. I love it. So do you have a, a guilty pleasure? I always tell people mine's like, I spend way too much time on Instagram looking at like puppies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love, I love uh, a really, uh, I wouldn't say bad TV because I don't really think it's bad. But, yeah. uh, but I love, you know, like, like uh, over the top TV, like, you know, like True Blood on HBO. Oh, I yeah. Love, we right? were, oh, my know, wife like, and I were obsessed with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. Like I love um, just kind of. Uh, zonking out in front of like ridiculous television yeah <laughs> um do you have a place that you want to travel that you haven't been to yet oh yeah so many um uh well 
my wife and I went to uh, Guatemala a couple years ago, um, and it's the first place in that part of the country we've ever been, and mm -hmm. it was amazing. Uh, and um, uh, and so now I'm I'm eager to travel all over. Nice. Uh, favorite holiday? Oh, Thanksgiving. Yes, that's the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> For a question that shouldn't have a wrong answer, that is the right answer. Thanksgiving, because right. there's no, like, the only responsibilities you have are to get together with people you love yes. and enjoy each other's company. Like, how can you go wrong? Yeah, you get to eat a little bit too much, you yeah. don't have pressure of buying gifts. Right. See, I, I've never told anyone I've gotten that answer <laughs> right, but you just did. Uh, favorite movie? Uh, I, I, uh, I have no idea. That's, that's I, I'm sorry, I don't have how a about, favorite movie. Uh, how about like a favorite movie genre? Like, do you have like a type of movie you like to lean towards? Yeah, I, well, again, kind of like with the TV. Yeah. Like, I love like you know fantasy, you know science fiction. Mm -hmm. It's weird. I don't read fantasy or science fiction almost ever, but mm -hmm. I'll go to every single <laughs> you know uh, uh, sci-fi epic movie. Mm -hmm. So you know, like the the new the new Star Wars movie oh, was. I, I think I saw it like three four times. Yeah. You know, so. Um, so yeah, there we go. Star Wars perfect. favorite movie. That were, you know? Perfect. Uh, <laughs> cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite food? Uh, favorite food. Um, uh, again, that's that's uh, it's. How about how about Type. how about favorite favorite restaurants? Favorite uh, restaurants. I went. Yeah. I I <laughs> uh, my wife and I were in Paris uh, a few years ago. We went to uh, Joel Robichon's restaurant. Okay. Uh, who's this uh, amazing you know chef uh, in in, in uh, uh, in Paris, there's a couple of restaurants, and we sat outside just waiting for a table for mm. three hours, oh and finally goodness. one popped open, and we grabbed it. It was like the best meal of our lives. Oh, you know? Wow, okay, that sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, all right, last one. If you could have dinner with any any person, a dead or alive, who would you go with? Huh. I, you know, given enough time to think about this, I'm sure my answer would change, mm -hmm. but just just because of what's in the news lately. Yeah. Um, I think, like, interviewing any of these these folks who are running for president, like, yeah, like you know, absolutely. like, or any, you know, or, like, anybody who's recently been president, I, I think I would ask first, why in the world would you want to do that? Would you want to do this? And, yeah. and second, like, what must it be like to live your life knowing that at any given moment anything you say can be like turned against and, you in some uh, way like, like, you know like I get nervous enough like being interviewed by a podcast you know <laughs> <laughs> like I can't imagine like having every word that you utter just scrutinized like that yeah. it must make you live in like in, in, in this like weird remove from mm -hmm. your own life so I, I just want to know what that's like that's a perfect answer um, alright I have one last question for you what do you hope people take away from reading the next oh um, well, I was maybe speaking of politics, uh, the, the, the epigraph that I ended up using for the book is this 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 old story that has its origins in, and I think you know like Buddhism and Hinduism both kind of claim it as as, as one as as uh, uh, part of their history. But uh, uh, it's the story of the the blind men of the elephant, mm -hmm. um, and the story goes: uh, uh, there's this king who asks all these blind men to touch one part of an elephant, and then they say, then he asks them what is an elephant like? And they all have a different answer. And uh, and then they start fighting each other uh, because all of their answers are different. And as we're in the political silly season, mm -hmm. um, I, I've been shocked to see how true this is, you know, yeah. that, uh, that, 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 that people who, who otherwise probably agree more than they don't are arguing on Facebook and Twitter um, uh, about what's true. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I, I don't know, I guess... It, I, I made a really conscious effort in the book to try to undermine people's knee-jerk reactions mm -hmm. because I kind of see us as a, 
too often kind of giving something 10, 15 seconds of our attention and then rendering a verdict, yeah. you know, and uh, I guess I guess I would hope that, uh, that, that you know, to just kind of remember when somebody somebody seems to be really, really wrong to you, maybe they're just, they're just touching a different part of the elephant. I think that's a perfect answer. Uh, Nathan, thank you so much for taking some time and chatting with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.